Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 188 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Joey Coastman. I'm joined by the elusive Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how you doing? I'm good, Joe. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. Right, let's dive straight into the review part of the show. I don't know why I, why I always say that. We always know uh, where we're going to start. It is, as always, the review part of the show. We're going to start here at the Ulster Hall in Belfast, Northern Ireland, United Kingdom. This one was shown on IFL TV's YouTube page live. I didn't watch it, though, um, so apologies for that. Um, one fight really to mention over here, and it has to be the main event, Ryan Burnett, he moves to 20 wins, he's got the one loss, he actually had a point deducted himself in the 6th round for a low blow, and that is where the TKO came, it was against Gelbert Gamera who's now 14-6, and six, but like I say, Ryan Burnett returns there. He's moved up in weight to super bantamweight. A few interesting fights can be made there. I know he wants the uh, the Nonito Donaire rematch. I suppose there is a bit of unfinished business, but, you know, obviously Nonito's got much bigger things to worry about for now. But all the best to Ryan Burnett. Good to see him back. Moving out now to the Lamex Stadium in Stevenage, Hertfordshire, United Kingdom. Starting on the undercard, though, this one was untelevised. Harley Ben, the son of the former, well, former world champion himself, a bit of a legend actually, Nigel Ben. Um, yeah, so Harley Ben was six and zero. Oh. He took on a guy who was zero and sixteen. I as called Lee Hallett. He'd never won a fight. He was coming off sixteen losses in a row, and Harley Ben got in there. It was only a four rounder. Um, Harley Ben, of course, I think he started his career at super middleweight. He was coming in just one pound and a quarter over the welterweight limit. So moving down in weight here against Lee Hallett, who I think was actually moving up in weight. Um, yeah, a loss for Harley Benny. Loses his O against a guy who had never even won a fight. Um, that is obviously shocking right there. Uh, it was a four-rounder, like I say. Harley Ben won one round, and Lee Hallett got the other three. So um, I'm not quite sure what to say about that. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that like to say Harley Ben and Conor Ben, future world champions. I don't think there's anything you can say to justify losing to a guy who had never won a fight in his professional career so I don't even know what to say about that I feel bad for Harley Ben to be honest um all the best to him um I think the rematch has to happen and he needs to beat him in the rematch perhaps go a few more rounds um that that's awful right there from Harley Ben, I've got to say it. Also on the bill, friend of the show, Willie Hutchinson. He moved to 8-0, and a knockout in the third round against Andre Budera. Um, he looked pretty good there, Hutchinson. Um, obviously being trained by Dominic Ingle. I think he's kind of caught between whether he's going to be a light heavyweight or a cruiserweight. He, oh, sorry, not a light heavyweight or a cruiserweight. He's going to be a super middleweight or a light heavyweight. I think he was supposed to be going down to super middle, but it seems like the plan has slightly changed, and now they're not too sure. He did 
just come in a couple pounds over the light heavyweight limit though 177 and three quarter pounds um so yeah eight and oh willie hutchinson also on the bill harvey horn moved to six and oh a points win over six rounds against joel sanchez yeah, that's it for that one. Uh, moving up the bill once again, Boy Jones Jr., 18-2 and two going in with one draw. It was for the vacant WBO youth lightweight title in the other corner. Sean Cooper, a guy I didn't really know too much about, but Sean Cooper was able to win uh, a majority decision over 10 rounds there. So another loss for Boy Jones Jr. Um, sad for Boy Jones. He was absolutely huge for Super featherweight and he moved up to lightweight and you know he's he's been served up a loss here he's lost to uh who did he lose to where he got stopped at the york hall can't remember who the, who who the fighter was now it was a great fight i'm not sure if that was a super feather or lightweight if it was a lightweight then clearly this is not the right weight for him uh, uh, i can't remember who the guy was now he got stopped i think it was in the final round the guy had a cracking fight with Leon Woodstock. I just can't remember his name. But anyway, all the best to Boy Jones Jr. I like the guy, but it seems like he's kind of found his level, as sad as that may be. Uh, Joe Joyce moved to 9-0 and with nine knockouts. He ended very, very quickly, actually, in the third round. Alexander Ustinov, a man who... Uh, I think he'd been stopped twice previously. Once was to to Manuel Char and once was to Michael Hunter but Joe Joyce did it very very quickly like I say Ustinov was down and and out in that third round um I believe the shot was I think it was a left hand actually it it was uh it was it was all that really he needed to do but like I say I take nothing away from Joyce um, it was a bit of a waste of time that fight to be honest I think Joyce does need to push on I admired the time when he fought Ian Lewison on his debut and then in his fourth fight Lemroy Thomas but since then I mean he's boxed the likes of Ivica Baturin Iago Kiladze Joe Hanks I mean fair play he did box Stavern a very uh, unmotivated out of shape inactive Stavern but um, fair play for the name value and now obviously Ustinov I mean, it seems like these are just pointless kind of fights, especially because he wants to get to the top very quickly. It doesn't really feel to me like these are the fights to do that. Um, aside from Stavern, um yeah, the, the last few names haven't really been that impressive. But hopefully he gets a bigger a bigger name and a bigger test on July 13th at the O2. That's his next date. Uh, also on the bill, top in the bill, I'm going to throw it over to you, Ayaz. Billy Joe Saunders moved to 28-0. It was obviously a win here um, over Shefat Isufi, who was 27-3 with two draws. It was for the vacant WBO World Super Middleweight title. So Billy Joe now a two-weight world champion, still undefeated. Talk me through it. I mean, it was a typical Billy Joe performance. I mean, he used his jab, had some very good combinations from round one to five. Round six, obviously, he got hit with a right hand from Yusufi, wobbled him a bit, but Billy Joe recouped himself and just used the jab and used his combinations. Obviously, Billy Joe used his speed in that. You can tell from you can tell from the fight that um, what do you call it? He needed he had he had a lot of ring rust, but I mean, it's a great I mean, it's a good performance. I mean, he's not really a big name. He's not. Yusufi's not really a name, to be fair, but I mean, he's a two-way world champion. Well done for Billy Joe winning the fight. Yeah, I tuned into it from the seventh round onwards, from from the seventh round onwards, I should say, and I missed him get hurt in the sixth round, so I, I didn't see that, but it seemed to me like he totally coasted the second half of the fight. There was no urgency to his work. He didn't put his foot on the gas. He seemed to lack the power. He was happy to just sit back and box. It was a little bit boring, if I'm being harsh. I mean, 
you, you, you're talking about the likes of Callum Smith. What would Callum Smith do to Isufi? I mean, in fact, what would most of the top 10 fighters in that division do to Isufi? They'd stop him. Uh, don't get me wrong, I can't knock Saunders too much. He did put on a complete masterclass, so I applaud him for that. But then again, wasn't he kind of supposed to do that? It was a mismatch on paper. It was it was a shockingly easy route to become a two-weight world champion. He was levels above the guy. Um, I mean, should he be applauded for completely schooling him? I'm not too sure. Um, I expected him to stop him. I mean, the guy actually lost one of his fights to a debutant. And Billy Joe Saunders is a world, world-class fighter. I'm expecting him to, you know... To, I mean, the debutant actually shut Isufi out. So I'm expecting Billy Joe Saunders to not just shut him out, but to go the extra mile being such a fantastic fighter. But he was unable to get him out of there. That's that one, though. Moving out now to the SSE Hydro in Glasgow, Scotland, United Kingdom. Flying through this. Let's start with the undercard over here. Martin J. Ward picked up win number 22. He's got the one loss. He's got the two draws. It was a points win over six rounds against Antonio Rodriguez. Uh, Chantel Cameron moved to double-figure wins. 10-0, a knockout in the second round against Vida Masio Caliti. I think her name is 1 and 5 with one draw an easy fight there for Cameron. Uh, Lee McGregor moved to 6 and 0 points win over 6 against um well journeyman really Brett Fido. I think he's been in there with both the Edwards brothers. Um 13 and 51 with five draws. Boy, he's racked up some losses since I last saw his name. Uh Paul Butler, he's now 29 and 2 a knockout in the 6th round. It was a body shot. He stopped Salvador Sanchez, of course not the Salvador Sanchez, the guy that uh died some years back tragically. Uh fantastic fighter he was, but we're kind of going off subject here. Uh talking of good fighters though, Zach Parker, a man that I really do rate the reigning super middleweight British champion. Uh, he moved to 18-0, and a knockout in the fourth round against Stephen Crambert, who's now 8-5. Uh, and five. And Moving up to the two main events, really, over here. Let's start with this one first. Emmanuel Rodriguez, 19-0. and oh, He brought his IBF world bantamweight strap to the ring against Naoya Inoue, um, who was 17-0. and oh. Both men undefeated. Rodriguez down three times in that second round, Diaz. And we have to say it... Um, I don't think we were doubting how good Inoue is, but he certainly showed us once again he really is as legit as they come. Yeah, it was a great performance. Inoue, I mean, Inoue was just uh, absolutely annihilating Manuel Rodriguez in that first round. You can tell the power that he had. And obviously, like I said, Inoue is basically a monster. But, I mean, um, to, to be fair, I think he's going to win. The, in my opinion, I think he's going to win the World Box of Super Series. And I think, in my opinion, he's top three pound for pound. The top sort of five or six fighters in the pound for pound list can can really be debated. It's it's such a brilliant few few fighters we've got in there, like Canelo, like Golovkin, like Terence Crawford, like Lomachenko, like Usyk, and like Inoue. Um, have I missed anyone out? I think those are probably the best five or six guys there. Uh, the first round, though, I, I actually had the first round very close. I think there was a few times where Rodriguez caught Inoue over the top with a right hand, but he just wasn't really putting much snap into his shots. He also landed a nice short left hook on the inside, on on uh, on the chin of Inoue. Uh, he took the shot quite well, but Inoue's movement was very good in that first round. He got off with his own shots as well, but I actually felt Rodriguez did enough to nick the first round. He was the man trying to, uh, you know, come forward. He was the aggressor. And then, like I say, in that second round, a fantastic left hand right on the button. Down went Rodriguez. It was a brilliant shot. He got back up within a few seconds, and then he ended up taking another knee off a body shot just about five seconds after that. 
He did get back up once again, but this time he was shaking his head at his corner. He was in real distress. And then, like I say, once again to finish it, a left hook to the body. And he was down for the third time. And although he did get back up once again, the referee waved it off. And it was another demolition job there by Inoue. Like I say, a serious, serious threat. Um, to anyone in his weight class and probably the weight class above as well Um, if I was a champion at that weight class above um, which is super bantamweight I'd probably think about vacating and trying to move up to to, to feather Uh, the main event over here Ivan Baranchik 19-0 he travelled to Scotland to take on the hometown favourite Josh Taylor Baranchik brought with him his IBF world super lightweight title Uh, Baranchik down twice in that sixth round but a unanimous decision win for Josh Taylor um I'm just going to fly through these rounds from 1 to 12 here. I'm going to try to go through this pretty quickly. The first round, I didn't really feel anything was landed very significantly by either guy. Taylor did start well. Baranchik finished well. Baranchik was made to miss a few times quite wildly. Baranchik probably threw more shots, but Taylor, I'd say, was the more precise of the two. Taylor, for me, probably nicked the round. It could have even been a 10-10. Josh was kept on the back foot for most of it, though. I will say that. In the second round, it was a good round for Josh Taylor. Um, he landed some eye-catching shots both upstairs and downstairs he made Baranchik once again miss wildly a few times but it was a clear round for me for Josh Taylor Uh, the third round I actually gave to Baranchik I felt like he landed some great body shots the core of Baranchik the strength I mean it was quite unbelievable he's he's very compact he's very strong Uh, Taylor I didn't feel was jabbing enough it was another close round though in the third Um, so like I say I gave that one to Baranchik um In the fourth round, Taylor landed some beautiful left hands. I felt like he took control more in the fourth. Um, And, you know, for the first time, he was kind of in full control. And he was able to push Baranchik back more. So a Taylor round there in in round four. The fifth round, it was a big round for Baranchik. He was able to cut Taylor's eye. Taylor's nose was also bleeding. I think Baranchik also had a bit of a cut on his eye. Uh, Taylor did take quite a few big shots. It was actually a little bit worrying. Don't get me wrong, Taylor did uh, land some good shots himself, but it was definitely a big round there for Baranchik, and Taylor was totally abandoning his jab. He wasn't using his size or anything like that. The sixth round was a massive round for Taylor, so he really did respond well. He started it great. Um, He scored the two knockdowns, like I say, in the final stages that certainly secured the round, Um, a big 10-7 round. Um, the first shot, I believe, was a right hook. Both men dispatched a right hook at the same time, but Taylor got there first, and down went Baranchik. It was a shot he didn't really see coming. Uh, the second knockdown came from a left hand. I think Baranchik seemed to recover fairly well, bouncing on his toes, and then the bell went before the pair could engage once more. So, like I say, a big 10-7 round. And then in the second half of the fight, the seventh round was another great round for Taylor. Baranchik was feeling the pace at that stage. Taylor, I definitely felt, was fighting the wrong fight, uh, he was fighting Baranchik's fight, despite winning the round, despite winning the fight at this stage, he was a little bit too close up in Baranchik's face for me, um, like I say, he's got brilliant, brilliant footwork when he decides to use it, and he didn't really use it here in this round, he was just trying to walk forward in straight lines constantly, in the 8th round, Baranchik had a good round, there was nothing telling landed really by either guy, but Baranchik's punch out, but dominated Taylor's efforts massively, Baranchik won the round uh, perhaps Taylor took a round off in the ninth round, it was almost a carbon copy of round 8, uh, Taylor again seemed to have a rest, Baranchik 
got the round for similar reasons. His, his punch output and his effort. In the 10th round, Taylor certainly won that one. It was some fantastic shots that he landed. One right hand to the body in particular that I really like the look of. Baranchik did look very exhausted. Taylor looked to have him in trouble a couple of times. Um, perhaps if Taylor didn't take the two previous rounds off, he could have had Baranchik out of there, I felt. And then in the final two rounds, in the 11th, um, I felt it was quite a close round, to be honest. I think Baranchik really had to dig deep to still be throwing the, the amount of shots that he was throwing. It was probably still a Taylor round, though. And then in the 12th round, Baranchik, I actually gave him that one. Again, amazing stuff to see him still in there, giving it his all um, right up until the final bell. He's a true champion, Baranchik. He's a true nightmare, I feel, for anyone in that division. And it kind of goes without saying, but he can certainly come again. He gives any of the champions nightmares. I think him against Progray would be a complete out-and-out -out war. I would love to see that. Hopefully that happens after the final. Um, and, yeah, I mean, brilliant, brilliant for Josh Taylor. Obviously a friend of the show. It's great to see him achieve his dream. He's He's been dreaming of that pretty much since the first time he put on a pair of gloves. And it's brilliant to have seen him do that in Scotland in front of his home crowd. He brought a brilliant fight card. He brought the monster from Japan over. And that is a night there that Scottish boxing fans will not forget in a hurry for sure. Um, do you want to say a couple of words on that on that fight there, Ice, just before we move on? Great win for Josh Taylor. I mean, like I said, I think him with his progress will be a very good fight in the final. But I'm going to be rooting for Josh Taylor to win it. Okay, okay, interesting stuff. And moving out now to the Entertainment and Sports Arena in Washington in Columbia, USA. Uh, just one fight to mention over here. Um, a big shout-out here to Alontis Fox. We had his brother, Michael Fox. I think it was on last week's show. Um, Alontis actually came over here and fought Nick Brinson, who was 19-4 and four with two draws. Brinson was down in the first round, and his actual corner stopped the fight in the sixth round. So a TKO there scored for Alontis Fox. 25-1 and one with one draw. His one loss came to Demetrius Andrade on points. It was a fight where I think he dislocated his shot shoulder and still managed to stick in there with someone uh, of the quality of of, um, of of Demetrius Andrade. So that speaks volumes there. And the final card to mention, this one happened at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, USA. Let's start with the undercard. Um, a couple of wins for the Gary Russell family. Um, Gary Antoine Russell, let's start with him. He was 8-0 going in against Marcos Mujica. Marcos Mujica had been stopped in three rounds by the 2016 Olympic gold medalist, um, who is signed with Matram. His name's evaded me at the minute. Um, Daniel Yelusinov. He went three rounds with him and got stopped. So I wanted Gary Russell, or Gary Antoine Russell, let's not get confused here, to try and get a stoppage in the third round or even sooner but he was able to get it the round after a fourth round stoppage there for Gary Antoine Russell 9-0 with 9 knockouts interesting future he has uh, also on the bill Gary Antonio Russell he moved to 14-0 a technical decision after 6 rounds not quite sure what happened there but he was in against Saul Hernandez um, and the, the older brother Gary Russell Jr who actually, I think his name's Gary Allen Russell. It makes it very interesting. Or all of the Gary Russell brothers have all got the initials G-A-R. Gary Allen Russell, Gary Antoine Russell, and Gary Antonio Russell. Very confusing. But anyway, Gary... Russell Jr., let's just call him. He defended successfully his WBC World Featherweight title. Uh, he got in there with Kiko Martinez, former world champion. 
it was it was a bit of a mismatch. We knew that going into the fight. We had Gary Russell Jr. on the show. Um, I think it was either last week or the week before. And uh, yeah, I mean, he completely beat the hell out of Kiko Martinez, really. He cut his eye badly. And uh, the, the doctor stepped in in the fifth round and asked the referee to stop the fight. I think he did Martinez a big, big favor because you know there's no quitting Martinez. He is as tough as old boots and he would have stuck in there right up until the final bell if he, you know, if he if he could still stand up, he'd be in there till the final bell. Very brave guy. Too brave for his own good. Another good win there for Gary Russell. Um, Kiko Martinez doesn't really get stopped um, unless it's by a real world-class fighter and that is, of course, what Gary Russell Jr. is. And the main event here... Not too much to to really say about it, Ayas. Um, the defense of Deontay Wilder's WBC world heavyweight strap against Dominic Brazil. Wilder now 41-0 with one draw. Um, a knockout in the very first round against Dominic Brazil. 20-1, or 20-2 now, Brazil. Um, just going to quickly have my say on it real quick before I throw it over to you. Um, and all it really was is, you know, Wilder was, was hitting Brazil with a couple of big-looking shots pretty much as soon as as soon as the the first bell went uh Brazil took the first few shots quite well actually and there was a little spell where Wilder seemed to hurt Brazil and he went in for the kill Brazil was in the corner a little bit trapped and then he fired back with his own shot and he seemed to actually wobble Wilder Wilder had to um he initiated a clinch he he was holding on his legs seemed to be unsteady and then as soon as they uh they they got um you know, they got pulled apart by the referee. I think Brazil landed a shot in the back of the head and he just got told off for it. Just just um just just briefly and then the referee made the pair break and then of course it was the first shot really that, that Deontay Wilder threw. He threw the uh it was a one two, he hit him with a jab, he just touched him with that jab and then the right hand came over the top as Brazil I think was throwing a jab of his own and he saw the shot coming, he just closed his eyes, he knew it was coming, and as soon as he landed it you knew that, that was a fight ending punch and down went Brazil and like I say he didn't beat the count, he was stopped in a round. That's a real statement there. It was a huge statement, obviously. Like uh, Deontay Wilder landed a big right hand. The only person that's ever gotten up from the uh, punch by Deontay Wilder is is Tyson Fury. But I mean, to be fair, it's another Deontay Wilder performance. Obviously, you can see the res- You can see that Dominic Brazil was no match for him uh, uh, coming into the fight already. You can tell that. I mean, it's like it's another Deontay Wilder performance. Well done for Deontay. Another Wilder win. Another big knockout. Um... But yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, we had the three fights to look forward to. Wilder Brazil, we weren't too into that one. Then we had Joshua Ruiz Jr., which we've got to stay up for and pay for. And then we had uh, Fury Schwartz, which we've got to stay up for and pay for. And admittedly, I was looking forward to the Wilder Brazil fight more than the rest of them. But hopefully they go a bit longer. But of course, the sad thing is we've actually got to pay for both of those other fights. Um, Just briefly on the predictions... Ayaz, um, you got three out of three right, which means you've managed to get to 100 before the listeners because they got two out of three. Um, you both agreed with Inoue by knockout and Wilder by knockout, um, but you correctly picked Taylor to win on points, but the listeners thought that Taylor would get Baranchik out of there, so you've managed to get to 100, so you've come second in the Prediction League, Ayaz, so you've managed to get there. Obviously, I was able to win it a couple of weeks back, Um so you're you're not 100% home dry yet. There will be something you'll have to do as as a bit of a forfeit. I think we're going to try and get you to sing happy birthday to somebody, some special person out there. 
they'll be touched by that one. They really will. But um, yeah, that's about it for the review part of the show. Just before we wrap up part one, the last thing to do is to welcome our very first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the reigning IBF Super Featherweight World Champion. It is, of course, Mr. Tevin Farmer. Tevin, welcome yeah, back on the show, my what man. What up? Always, man. It's a pleasure. Hey, it's always a pleasure having you on. So, Tevin, we last spoke in August. It's, it's been quite a while, actually. It was just after the Billy Dib win. Obviously, since then, you've gathered three successful defenses of your belt. You stopped Tennyson in five rounds back in October. You beat Fonseca on points in December. And then, most recently, John O'Carroll on points in March. Um, I'm sure you're you're enjoying being this active, Tevin. It's a it's a brilliant step in the right direction for you. Yeah, absolutely, man. It, it's been an amazing year for me. Um, I have another fight that'd be five um, world title fights in less than a year. And I just want to ask you, those three defenses that I mentioned there, um, who do you believe put up the best effort? I'm guessing you must you must probably say it's Jono. He was pretty stubborn in the ring that night. Uh, I feel like they all. I feel like they all tried their best. Um, probably John O'Carroll. Yeah. Yeah, it was. A, it was a good fight while it lasted. That one. Uh, one thing I will say, Tevin, as of late, you haven't really boxed any Americans. In fact, the last time you boxed an American fighter from the United States was was just over four and a half years ago. And I'm a big believer in. Who was that? Was that um? Was that the guy knocked out? It was out? a guy you stopped in a round. Prescott? It was a guy one you round? stopped in one round. Dominic Coker. Oh, okay, I know what that is. Yeah, 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 you stopped him in a round. And I'm a big believer in, in domestic fights, like a grudge match between two guys from the same nation, bragging rights being on the line. You haven't really had that, but you have had the people to play the other role, like Javante Davis, like Joseph Diaz. Are those type of fights fights that you feel need to happen, Tevin, or are you not really bothered, to be honest? I mean, I definitely, uh, I won't feel like it's those particular fights, but... I definitely, I definitely won the unification fight. Fight. Yeah, that that that's 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 the fights that I'd like to see you in. Um, obviously, you know you've you've got little feuds with these guys. Um, Joseph Diaz got in your face recently, I believe. Um, obviously the. No, 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 no. No, he didn't get in my face. I got in his. You face. got in his face, okay. Um, and obviously the, yeah. the, the 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 long time running kind of beef with Javante. You you decided to post a particular video the other day. What made you want to post that video of him, Tevin? Because he he he, he talked a trash about me on social media, so I posted. And I been had the video. I been had that video before anybody had it, and I I, I never posted it. I never wanted to post it. I mean, I'm not even gonna post this video. But then I see I'm being nice, but he but he. He's still continuing to to say bad things about me. So I say, okay, well, I'm going to post it. And like I say, you've been so active recently. Um, you've usually, by now, you've you've got your next fight announced. You mentioned there that you will be having another fight soon. When are we likely to hear uh, when the date will be, Tevin, for that one? I'm fighting, fighting July 27th. July 27th. Where is that, Tevin? No um, exact location yet, but it's going to be either in um, California or Texas. Cali or Texas, okay. And the as for the opponent, um, I mean, I'm guessing, obviously, you, you're being linked with that. F- I got a mandatory. Okay, so it's going to be Fremois, I'm guessing. Yeah, Fremois, okay, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you've recently changed your Instagram name to, to N2L, which, of course, stands for Never Too Late. You were able to meet some... some yeah, some, I'm... Yeah. No, go on. 
I'm listening, go ahead. <laughs> now, I was saying, you were you were able to meet some school kids the other week. You you really are a fantastic example of it's never too late because you're still proving it every time you step in the ring that it is never too late to give up. Obviously, it's been well documented, the rocky start you had in the beginning, and to go on to what you've achieved is is remarkable. It feels it feels good, I'm guessing, to be able to you know inspire some young kids, Tevin, and to meet them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I definitely, I, I know it would definitely will inspire people. You know, starting off where I started at, and then bouncing back and being where I'm at today. I, I hope it inspire people. I mean, if it don't, something wrong with those individuals. You know, so um, I just wanted, to, I just wanted to inspire um, people around the world to think it's too late. You know. No, I appreciate that, and you know you've you've been on the show before. You've gave out some fantastic um, words of wisdom to to not just listeners, but also other boxers that are coming up that have suffered a couple of losses. Um, I remember also last time we spoke, you'd 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 been around the streets handing out food to homeless uh, people. Um, have you done anything else, yeah. Tevin, that we don't know about that hasn't been documented too much recently? Um, I I do a, I do a lot of stuff. You know, I, I just I just bought gifts and stuff for Christmas and stuff like that, so, for for, for a lot of kids. That's that's great, Tevin, and, and what else is going on, kind of, like, recently, like, what's what's been going on, obviously, the um, win over Carol? Uh, say it one more time. No, I said, what have you been up to recently, obviously, the win after Carol, the, the, your next fight, you've got a date, what are you kind of getting up to, uh, you know, what have you been up to the last couple of weeks, the next couple of weeks? I mean, been on vacation, you know, I, um, I just was there. I just went to a boxing program and, and, and talked to the kids, uh, maybe about a week ago. So you know, I just I do different things when, when I'm free, when I'm able to. I remember our first interview was probably about three years ago now, and back then, obviously, it was well before you were world champion. I think you were just just uh, coming off the win over over a red catch. I think. I mean, it's been quite a journey, and like I say, yeah, that was, that was like 2016. Exactly. So it's been it's been quite a journey, and it's been a pleasure interviewing you all the times that we have done. And uh, you know, you've you've got quite an incredible life. Obviously, I think last time you said that you had a gentleman's club. How's that going? <laughs> Well, I sold it. Oh. I sold it. Oh. I, I, yeah, I sold it like about a couple months ago. Oh. I had it in my sights one time to come and visit that place. <laughs> uh, yeah, I sold it a couple months ago, so I don't no longer have that. Oh, that's a shame. And um, I asked, I asked a question on Twitter just for anyone to send in any questions. Um, to ask you, Tevin, and there's one I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, uh, one in particular that I like the sound of. It's from a guy on Twitter called Jason, at J is his handle. He says, not including yourself, what are your top five fighters in your weight in your weight class, Tevin? If you don't want to give me five, you can perhaps give me three. The only people that I really know of is, is the champions, as of right now. Um, at this moment, yeah, I don't really know the, uh, the champions, and I feel like... Um, yeah, just a champion. I don't really know much about too many people. I mean, Joe Diaz haven't really did anything in the 130-pound division yet. So I can't really say him, you know. Uh, probably me, Burchett, and Davis. And is is that is that the order? One, two, and three? No, it's not an order, but it just that's just what it is. Everybody, everybody got a different order. I don't really go on any orders in boxing. Everybody's order is different. But your order, you're definitely number one. Those two guys are two and three. Oh yeah, I'm definitely number one. 
That's, I'm definitely number one. And Tevin, I know that you talk. Yeah, I'm definitely number one. You talk about wanting a unification fight. I mean, this Javante Davis fight, obviously, it's a fight that Eddie Hearn would love to make happen. Um, I think he's he's sent over a very juicy offer to Javante. We haven't really heard anything. Do you think? Do you think that's a fight Javante doesn't want? Do you think perhaps the Bashelt fight is even perhaps an easier fight to make as a unification for you in the future? And then, nowadays, I don't know what's easy, what fight is easy to make, man. It's too much. It's, it's a lot of girl stuff that, that, that go in the boxing business that hurt the sport. So, I mean, I don't. I'm not really sure what fight is easier to make, man. Just make the damn fight. And I like that attitude um, that you've got, because like I say, you fought so so often recently. You you had the losses early on, so I really believe you when you say you would fight anyone. There's no one you wouldn't fight in your weight class. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Just make the just make the fights happen. That, that, that's all. That, that's, that's all that really matters. Um, there's a lot of girl stuff going on in the boxing business. Like I said before, there's a lot of girl stuff going on. All right, Tevin, and finally, I just want to throw it over to you. I just want to let you take it away with some closing words to our listeners. If there's anything I haven't asked you, if there's anything at all you want to say just before we let you go, send a message to the guys that are listening to this. I just want everybody to keep supporting me, and um, I want the I want, I want the big fights to be me. I, I, I want unification. Hopefully, I can fight for all the belts um, in 2020. And they can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at sevenformer22. And they can also follow my YouTube channel, um, Life at As Tevin Farmer. YouTube channel. Te- sorry, I didn't know that you had that, Tevin. Tell me, tell me what goes on. What can they see on YouTube from you? Um, basically, um, life outside of boxing. Basically, the stuff that I do away from the gym. Wow, I'm gonna check that out myself. And uh, just another. Yeah, life. Life is Tevin Farmer. Make sure you subscribe and go drop some comments and, and, and spread it out to the, to the world. Absolutely. And um, for those other people out there, you can check out N2L, Never Too Late. I think you've got a, you've got a clothing brand, um, Tevin, if people want to buy the merchandise. Yeah, they don't buy the clothing, the, the merchandise. They can go to um, www.boxstore.com slash N2L, and um, they, can, they can purchase some shirts. Excellent. Okay. Right, Tevin, I just want to thank so you. Go you- on. Thank you. When you go on YouTube and you go watch the videos, make sure you comment so I know it's you. Hey, cool so will. Cool so will. You'll see Box Hard Podcast on those comments for sure. But listen, Tevin, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my friend. You know that. Best of luck with your next fight. We'll look forward to it late July, and we hope to speak sometime after. Always, man. Thank you. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Ayaz, what have you got? Yes, uh, Callum Smith will face Hassan and Dam on... During the first for the WBA Super Middleweight title. Yeah, the Joshua uh, Ruiz Jr. undercard. Obviously, Hassan and Dam, a friend of the show. So is Callum Smith, actually. Um, it's, it's a decent fight. I think we all kind of knew it was going to get announced. It's been announced, finally. Um, you know, it's a world title fight for the undercard. But it's not... I mean, how much notice has Hassan and Dam really had? I mean, the fight is, what, like uh, 10 days away now? So... Uh, you know, is it is it nine or ten days away, something like that? So, uh, you know, it's it's not it's not really the right kind of preparation. I think he's known a little bit longer, obviously, because it's only been announced just now. It doesn't mean that um, Hassan and Dam has only found out today. Obviously, he knew the fight was happening before, but I don't think he's had the right time to prepare. I do believe he's also sparred Callum Smith in the past. Um, he's really a middleweight, isn't he? So, fighting at super middleweight, I think 
is a is a huge advantage for Callum Smith, and you'd probably have to say he gets the win. Um, we will reach out to Hassan and Dan actually. Hopefully, we'll get him on. I'm going to send him a text now. If he doesn't, if he doesn't get back to us, um, then we'll we'll try and get him on next week's show. But if he gets back to me pretty quickly, then perhaps we'll get him on at the end of this show. But um, yeah, credit to both guys. Obviously, both friends of the show. Richard Comney will face Ray Beltran for the IBF lightweight belt on June the 28th. Yeah, um, you know, Richard Comey, he's got quite a story. I'm happy that he's finally won a world title. Um, he, he'd been, you know, a guy that we expected to win one quite a while back. He had a tough couple of decisions go against him. I think it was in 2017 or 2016. Um, God, was it that far away? And uh, he's kind of been treading water since then. He's, he's, you know, he's back at the top now. I'm glad he's got the world title. And he takes on friend of the show, Ray Beltran, another man that we'll try and get on perhaps um, if if not if not next week, then perhaps the week after. Um, yeah, I mean, all the best to Ray Beltran. He's 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 a decent guy. And, um, you know, it's, it's a good fight again. Both men can punch. I think commie has got some good power, actually. But Beltran knows how to find a knockout. So I think that one... Definitely doesn't go the distance. Should make for some good viewing there, to be honest. I like that fight. Terry Flanagan has, has signed a deal with MTK. Who hasn't signed a deal with MTK right now? They seem to be uh, getting fighters to sign on the dotted line what seems every other week. Um, obviously, Terry Flanagan, I think his last fight was the loss to Regis Progre, in which he went down, but he managed to survive and go the distance. No real shame in that. He went on the road as well, we forget. Um, as part of the World Boxing Super Series card. Oh no, sorry, he lost also, didn't he, the fight before that to Maurice Hooker. So he's hit a bit of a kind of tough patch lately. Um, I haven't heard Frank Warren talking about him. I don't know if they've if they've still got a contract, but he seems like he's hit a bit of a tough kind of patch right now of his career. Um, he had the real long undefeated streak and then two back-to-back losses when he moved up to 140. Yeah, so his career at the minute is a little bit in tatters, if we're being honest. Another friend of the show. We wish him all the best, though, and hopefully MTK can deliver for him. Rocky Fielding will return to the ring on July the 12th on the MTK Global Show. Also on that card is the return of Martin Murray. Yeah, Martin Murray, a very short-lived retirement um, I'm not quite sure he should come back. I think he lost his his uh, his his last fight to Hassan and Dam, didn't he? So uh, I expected Hassan and Dam to beat him anyway. I remember saying that at the time. Um, Martin Murray, I don't think has got anything to prove now. He's a very unfortunate um, boxer when you look at it. He's probably unfortunate to not win a world title. We've we've said that many times over the years, but I don't think he should carry on boxing. He certainly needs to drop down a level. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what his goals are and his ambitions are at this point of his career. I don't, I don't want to kind of think that he's just fighting for the money. Um, he's a good guy. He's turned his life around. He'll tell you that. He's got a fantastic story. And Rocky Fielding, obviously. Um, I'd like to see him and John Ryder get it on for a rematch there. Perhaps that's an unpopular opinion. I'm not sure. But there's a few big fights out there for Rocky Fielding, um, especially in America. I think there's a few good fights out there. Um, I'd like to see him take on Jesse Hart. I'd like to see him take on another fringe world-level contender at super middleweight. Um, but, yeah, interesting. Uh, it's, a, it's a great thing for MTK to deliver a show like that once again. And that's it for the news. Okay, thank you very much, Ayaz. We're going to start now with a preview part. We're starting in the Victoria Warehouse in Trafford Road, Manchester United Kingdom. Uh, on the undercard, we get to see Savannah Marshall, 5-0. and uh, Her opponent yet to be announced. That's a free... No, sorry, that's, that's three-minute rounds, it says. Uh, no opponent just yet. Hopefully, we'll see... 
her impress, and also topping that bill, Huey Fury, 21-2, and two, coming off that loss in Bulgaria to Kubrat Pulev. Um, you know, I expected him to beat Kubrat Pulev that night, and obviously he got cut early on, and Peter Fury's come out and said he thinks the cut really changed the fight for Huey Fury, and apparently they had a cut in sparring a few weeks out from the fight, and they really uh, knew that the, the cut had come undone at some point during the fight, but they didn't plan on it opening so early on in the fight, which completely um, shattered their chances in their eyes, and they were in a position where they couldn't really pull out from the fight a few weeks out, because it was such a you know, such a fight of significance for that mandatory position. Um, so yeah, it's it's the return of Huey Fury, a man that still has bundles of potential. He's got a fantastic chin. He's getting the experience. He's he's only lost two fights. One was very questionable to Joseph Parker. I thought he nicked it. Um, he's still got a hell of a lot to give to the heavyweight division. There's some big fights for him, but this one for me isn't really that kind of fight. But we can't moan too much. It's on free to air terrestrial TV channel five. Um, in the other corner, Canada's Chris Norad. I think he's from Canada. Um, he's 17 and 0. He's been a pro, if I'm not mistaken, for 10 years. He's only had 17 fights, so he's been grossly inactive. He hasn't really boxed anyone near the level of Huey Fury, and I'm expecting Huey Fury to bang him out within probably four rounds or something like that. By the way, don't um, forget, if you're looking at watching this or taping this card, um, Channel 5 for Huey Fury, he's the main event, but the undercard is on 5 Spike. It's a bit of a weird channel, so make sure you check that out if you've got any interest watching the undercard here with Savannah Marshall. Uh, moving out now to York Hall, one fight that's being untelevised here. Um... It's a great fight, actually. Chris Congo, 11-0, a prospect being highly touted. He's in a 10-rounder against Tyrone Nurse, 35-6 and with two draws. Unfortunately, Nurse seems like he's a bit of a, a, bit of a gatekeeper now, really, at that kind of English-slash-British level. It's a real shame, because he was a, a, another fighter with a load of talent. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if Chris Congo wins that, then it's a statement. And if he doesn't win that, then we know where he is, because Tyrone Nurse, I think he's, he's really hit a real sticky patch. I think he's coming off a few back-to-back losses, unfortunately. Uh, also on that undercard, we should mention that Louis Adolfi, 10-1, he is in a six-rounder, no opponent just yet. I saw Louis Adolfi in Tesco's a few months back, actually. Um, that's about it, though. Moving out now to the Osceola Heritage Park, I think it said, in, in Florida, USA. Um, couple fights to mention on this bill here. we got Carlos Cuadras, 37-3 and three with one draw. He's in an eight-rounder against Daniel Lozano, who's 15-6. and six. We also have Jose Pedraza, a man that really did push Lomachenko pretty close until he seemed to run out of steam in the late rounds. Uh, Pedraza, 25-2, and two, a man that I really do rate. He fights for the vacant WBO Latino lightweight title. He takes on Inez Torres, who's 40-2 and two with one draw. Never heard of that guy, so I'm guessing he's got quite an inflated record. I'd expect Pedraza with his skill set to get a win. Um, and topping the bill, for the WBO World Super Featherweight title, the champion Masayuki Ito from Japan, 25-1 and one with one draw, takes on friend of the show, friend of everyone, actually, Jamel Herring, one of the very best guys in boxing, 19-2. and two. Since Jamel Herring has linked up with uh, with Terence Crawford's trainers, which is um, Brian McIntyre and uh, and Red Spikes, he's, he's really turned into a a fantastic fighter. I really like his style. And I don't want to sound a bit stupid here, but 
I see a lot of Terence Crawford in him. Um, I like the way he fights now. Um, it's, it's, it's completely changed up his style, and I really give him a big chance in this fight. We have to mention that Jamel Herring, obviously, uh, you know, a guy that's had a, a real up-and-down life. I mean, a guy that's been deployed to Iraq on two occasions to, to, uh, to, to fight in the U.S. Army. He was a former... Um, captain of the marines um in in the united states and obviously he had a tragic experience in his life where he lost his young daughter and on this day on saturday the 25th this saturday when he fights ito for the world title it would have been her 10th birthday so there's that that piece of significance there that's just you know just something to hold on to to give him that extra push if he needs it. I really hope he gets the job done. It'll be a real fairy tale. A lovely guy, Jamel Herring. You know, there's a load of guys that I like in boxing, but he is he's a real special one and oh, there's not much I can do from my sofa, but I'll be praying that he gets the win. We love Jamel Herring on this show. Um hopefully he can get the job done. Um so yeah, leaving that card there, moving out now to the MGM National Harbour in Oxon Hill, Maryland, USA. Couple fights to mention over here. Firstly on the undercard, Philippe Hergovic, the bronze medalist in the 2016 Olympic Games in Rio. 7-0 his record. He fights for the uh, for the WBC International Heavyweight title against Greg Corbin. 15-1. Corbin was, was undefeated and then he, he lost his O most recently in his last fight, I believe it was, to Prince Charles Martin. He was hitting Charles Martin Martin in the nuts repeatedly and he was disqualified it was real strange it was on an undercard somewhere so Greg Corbin um he's not going to really have anything to trouble Hergovic you wouldn't have thought uh, also on the bill Michael Hunter 16 and 1 he fights for the well he puts his WBA international heavyweight title on the line against Fabio Maldonado 26 and 2 um 25 knockouts out of 26 wins so he can seriously punch his two losses um I believe have happened in his last two fights. It's been two back-to-back losses. One was to Oscar Rivas on points, and one was to um, was to I think it's Alexander Tezlenko. He's a Ukraine fighter based in Canada. So two good fighters, two unbeaten fighters. He's been the distance with them. He's never been stopped. Michael Hunter wants to make a statement, try to steal the show and get the stoppage. All the best to him, of course, a friend of the show. That's a ten rounder there. Obviously, topping the bill was supposed to be Usyk and Takan, but that one fell through. Um, also on the we have Jessica McCaskill. I think that's a former opponent of Katie Taylor. Her record six and two. She fights Anihi Sanchez, who's nineteen and three. Uh, that one is for the WBA and WBC World Female Super Lightweight titles. Um, and topping the bill, Devin Haney, Matram's new signing, another friend of the show. He puts his WBC International Lightweight title on the line against Antonio Moran, who's twenty four and three. That's a ten rounder there. Devin Haney, twenty one and zero. And the final bill to mention, it happens at the Beau Rivage Resort and Casino in Mississippi, USA. Um, Again, we're kind of spoiled for choice here. Um, over here in, in the UK, they're only showing, in terms of the fights in the States, they're only showing the Devin Haney card. Um, I think the the Jamel Herring fight card is being shown on BT Sport, but we're going to miss this one, unfortunately. Uh, let's start with the... Um, there's nothing really on the undercard. Let's just talk about the main event. Austin Trout, 31-5, friend of the show. He takes on Terrell Gaucher, 2012 Olympian, 21-1. Um, the one loss came to Lara. Um, it was when Eris Landy Lara was on some real good form. Um, not that he's not a good fighter anymore, but he 
boxed a tremendous fight that night, and he was able to pretty much shut out Gaulche, if I'm not mistaken. He's been on the show as well, Gaulche. Um, there's a bit of needle between the pair, I believe, which is very unusual because Austin Trout's one of the coolest cats in boxing. He doesn't really get into the to the uh, to the you know to the back and forth kind of stuff. But I think there is a bit of needle there. But obviously, Gaulche is still a guy on the up, despite losing his world title attempt at Eris Landy Lara. No shame in that. He takes on Austin Trout, a man who. He wouldn't admit it, and I've said things to him in the past on these interviews, and he's turned around and said, no, if I lose that fight, why would I think about retiring? He still thinks he's pretty much in his prime. I don't think that that's the case. I think he's a little bit past it now, Austin Trout, and he's a great guy, by the way. Um, But yeah, I think he's a bit of a gatekeeper now as well on that world-level kind of scene. Um, I think if Gaucher beats him, it's a real statement, because I think his his only losses have come to world champions, uh, Austin Trout. He's probably got the toughest resume at 154. He's fought them all. He's fought the Charlos, both of them, I believe. I think he fought Hurd as well. He fought, obviously, um, uh, Canelo. He's he's really boxed some real big names there at 154. And like I say, if Gaulchet, with his amateur pedigree, can get past Austin Trout, then it's a real big statement. But I expect that one to definitely go points. Um, made the best man win. Both of those guys, friends of the show. And we've tried to fly through that as quick as possible. We've gone through it. That is about everything. Just before we wrap up part two, the last thing to do is to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated WBA number one ranked super lightweight in the world. It is, of course, Mr. Mario Barrios. Mario, welcome back on the show. Thank you. It's good, good to be back. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you back, Mario. So we last spoke in July. Uh, it was just before your fight on the Garcia vs. Easter Junior undercard. Obviously, you managed to get the win that night over Jose Roman. You became the only man to stop him. Then you went on to knock out Richard Zamora in four rounds. And then, of course, most recently, uh, let's talk about this one. You beat Juan Velasco in just two rounds the other week. A real statement there. Talk us through that fight, please. Um, yeah, I mean, going into that fight, I mean, uh, we we knew, you know, we were going to have to be smart, you know, to use my range. And, um, I mean, we knew Velasco, you know, he was, he was going into that fight ready. You know, he, he was going to, he was looking to come out with the win. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't no opponent. And so, I mean, yeah, from, from the start, I mean, I was just getting my jab established. And, um, I mean, I, I knew right away, you know, I mean, I, I thought he wanted to open up, you know, with power shots. So um, I figured, you know, I started working the body as soon as I saw him open up. And, I mean, I, I found the shot right away. I mean, I, I just thought it perfect. Yeah, it really was a perfect shot. I mean, the shot that made the difference was that short left hook to the body. Uh, you also did kind of throw a straight right, but it didn't land solidly. Um, it was a little bit of a delayed reaction. And then, of course, Velasco went down and he could not get back up at all. Um, was that left hook to the body a shot that you've been working on in particular or perhaps not? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've been working. Um, that that body shot has always been a part of my arsenal. I mean, it's something I've worked on since the amateurs. That shot's like second nature to me. <laughs> and obviously, um, Velasco's only other loss came to Regis Progre, a man rated by many as possibly the best fighter at 140. Velasco, uh, he had he had success in that fight against Progre. He was able to hit Progre a little bit more often than anyone expected. Progre did manage to get the job done in round eight, but like I say, you were able to do it in a quarter of the time, just round two. Um, do you believe that that win there over Velasco is your most significant win to date? Yeah, I believe uh, that fight holds a lot of significance uh, just, you know, because of the, the fighter that Velasco is. And again, I mean, you know, he fought the champion. 
and uh, they made it take the champion name Rouse to get him out. And uh, I mean, uh, and I mean, we, we you know we're successful really early. I mean, so I feel you know I, I made a statement with this fight, and um, I mean, I I believe now you know I I have the the super lightweight division you know on notice. Yeah, for sure. And I hate to ask you this, but I sort of have to. Obviously, just two weeks before your fight, your sister Selena lost her undefeated record. It was very sad to see. I was wondering if perhaps it might affect your game a little bit. It seemed to actually do the total opposite. Like I say, you went out and made a statement. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, uh, I mean, me and my sister, we have a very close relationship. I mean, so um, when she lost, I mean, I was there at that fight. You know, I mean, it felt like, you know, like I lost. I mean, it was, it was really hard. And yeah. Uh, right after her fight, I flew back to camp um, in the Bay Area, and by um, by Oakland, California, and I mean it was it was more motivation, you know. I uh, I I didn't like seeing my sister lose. I mean, so I mean I couldn't even imagine you know, myself losing. I mean, so I mean I went back and just trained even harder. Yeah, and I know that she is a very positive human being. I'm guessing that she'll learn from that and come back better. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, we we've already talked about it. I mean, she has a very positive mindset. I mean, it, even though you know it was real rough, I mean, she's a uh, she, she's acknowledged the mistakes you know she made, and I mean, the, all that matters is I mean, she's willing to work on them, and I mean, I believe she's gonna come back uh, harder and even smarter. And back on to you, Mario. After your fight, you were interviewed in the ring, and you said, "I want that world champion. I want all the smoke." I'm guessing you're talking about one particular fighter. I'm guessing you must be talking about Regis. Yeah, I'm talking about Regis. I'm talking about Hooker. Um, any any one of them. I mean, like I've said it before. I mean, I, I believe I'm ready for any of the champions. I mean, right now it's just you know the Super Series tournament kind of has everything uh, just just waiting. And uh, Regis's next fight will certainly be a tough one. I don't know if you know too much about Josh Taylor, but you know, obviously Taylor won on the weekend. He's a brilliant fighter. Most people here in the UK believe Taylor will actually beat Pro Gray in the final of the World Boxing Super Series. What are your thoughts on that fight? Have you seen enough of Taylor to give a fair assessment? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I've I've seen quite a bit on Taylor. I mean, he's a very uh, very intelligent fighter. You know, I mean, uh, we have to give credit where credit is due. I believe you know the his style is bad for for Regis. I mean, I mean, you know, because Henry, he's a, he's a very again he's a very intelligent fighter. I mean, uh, I'm I'm leaning more towards um, more towards Taylor in that fight. If if I had to say who 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 I thought was going to win. Okay, interesting. And uh, the final real thing I want to ask you, Mario. Um, any idea just yet when your next fight will be? Any indication just yet? Um, not yet. I mean, um, I I just you know finished. Um, I, I just took two weeks off from the gym. I mean, I'm about to start getting back in. Well, I've been getting back in this week. And um, I mean, we're just gonna build up slowly, and then I mean, see what, you know, see what comes up. I mean, uh, but I want to, you know, I want to stay as active as possible. Uh, I mean, uh, I talked to uh, Al Heyman and you know, my managers, and we we all agree, you know, I mean, uh, me staying busy, you know, is uh, is uh, is in all of our best interests. Yeah, for sure. And have you got any closing words just before we let you go, uh, just to the listeners at all, Mario? Thank you, you know, to everybody supporting me. I mean, uh, thank you guys, you know, for I mean, ha- for having me on the show again. Uh, it's always great being on here. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I appreciate, you know, everybody. Very well said, Mario. Listen, it's always a pleasure catching up with you, my friend. Congrats once again on that brilliant win. You really did send out a statement. Thank you for your time, and we'll speak again very soon for sure. Yes, we will. Thank you.
Okay, and this wraps up episode 188 of the Box Heart Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumra has been Ayaz Sumra. A big thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the reigning IBF Super Featherweight World Champion, Tevin Farmer, and the undefeated Super Lightweight World Contender, Mr. Mario Barrios. So, the Prediction League has finally come to a close. We'll try to get Ayaz to complete his forfeit. Don't you worry, I will not let him wriggle out of it. Hopefully, he does that on next week's show. So don't miss that one. Uh, the Prediction League will actually be back for next week. So try to not miss those polls that we put out on a Monday. Uh, they'll be back, obviously, for the Joshua Undercard and the other stuff there. I'd like to thank you all for listening to this week's show. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. And we shall see you all again next week.